0: Another episode of FOMO Sapiens, the FOMO. show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I am your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and as you know, FOMO Sapiens 24 7. Today we're going to be talking about inflection points, specifically how to navigate life's inflection points. And what happened is this I was at a dinner last summer. I sat next to this woman and I was like telling her, You know, like, trying. I was kind of getting advice, I guess. Like, I'm thinking about this and that, and what should I do about this and that? And she started giving me advice, and she said, you know, just read my my friend Matt's book. It's this really great book. It's called Inflection Points. And I thought, okay, fine. I bought it on Amazon. I started reading it, and I liked it a lot. And then I was randomly introduced to Matt months later from a completely different context. And I said, oh, you're the Inflection Points guy. You got to come on FOMO Sapiens. And so he came by the show to talk about his book and his work as a coach, and it's a really good conversation. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Matt Spielman, the author of this book. Now, Matt is the chief performance officer and head coach of Inflection Point Partners, an organizational career and executive coaching firm. He combines... Decades of senior experience as an executive, along with extensive training. He's trained at Columbia University in the coaching program. And he's also a national board certified health and wellness coach. Interesting. Matt received his MBA from Harvard Business School and a BA from Columbia University, where he earned national honors as a varsity baseball player. And what you're going to learn in this This episode is, first of all, Matt's journey from executive to coach and sort of why he did that and where his head is at on that and how he sort of has framed up this next stage of his career to work with people to get the most out of what they do. He's also going to talk about the GPS, which he developed as his game plan system. And in fact, he is giving all of you guys for free all the stuff in the book. So if you go to a website, it is www.theinflectionpointspot.com book.com. You can get all these materials that we talk about. There's this purpose, puzzle, achieve model, game plan, template, sources, drains, exercise. We're going to talk about all this stuff or, or many of these things in the interview. So go check that out. Now, as you know, I always have a small ask and the small ask is go check out my brand spanking new Substack. It's nice. It's once a month it gives you kind of my, my hot take on things. I do those on full Mondays, but you know, I just have a lot of hot takes to share with you and I love to look at the current events in the world, riff on what we're seeing, tie it back into the pod, share what's going on in my life in the world of FOMO sapiens and all that sort of stuff. It is brief. I promise I will not overwhelm you, but it is caloric with healthy calories. So go check that out. You can go to patrickjmcginnis.substack.com. Sign up. Check it out. Give me feedback. I always want to hear your feedback. Go check it out, and I appreciate you doing that. And maybe even forward it to somebody. I don't know, I'm feeling crazy today. A lot to ask for, but go check it out. All right, and now onto the interview. So I started my interview with Matt the same way I start all my interviews, as you well know, with this question. What's a formative decision you've had to make to get to where you are
1: today? It's definitely the transition from executive to executive coach. I was a C-level executive, I was 43 years old, I was a chief marketing officer. i have been a chief revenue officer and other senior level positions. And myself and my peers were all developing in our careers and taking on larger responsibilities and dynamic companies. And here I am, I make this move. I raise my hand to go back to school for about a year, learn executive and organizational coaching and launch at age 44, this executive and performance coaching firm. So that transition was definitely what I would call a key inflection point in my career. And one that I took very seriously and it was a bit of moving right when so many people were moving left or going straight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people think that's what I like about the story is you started in your forties, the old, you know, the old sort of trope is like entrepreneurs are all like 22 and you, I mean, obviously you'd had a a very good career in lots of important jobs, but to do something purely entrepreneurial in your
1: 40s, lots of people do this it's just like nobody talks about it right yeah. and and people you know they don't talk about they what they do talk about is they weren't shy in saying, hey Matt, what are you doing kind of and aren't mm-hmm. isn't that a little bit scary for you are you a little bit nervous And I, I said, yeah I mean this is definitely you know a, a concern of mine. I've done the research I think I know the direction that I'm headed. But the real fear was that I didn't do it. And I would have, at 53, said, you know what? I think I missed the last 10 years, and I would have been able to potentially build a practice and build a client base, et cetera. So the real fear was that I didn't do it. Yeah.
0: So in your new book, Inflection Points, which is, by the way, we'll talk about it more, but an excellent read. I super enjoyed it. You, you start by talking about the beginning of your career, which like I related to it because I also started out on wall street and I went there because that was the thing that did a little bit of FOMO in me. And it was like money that I, more money my dad made, you know, and my parents made my first year and I looked around and I was like, well, you know, I can do this job. But is this really for me? And then I looked around and I saw the people I worked with. And you talk about one of my favorite quotes, which is, you know, good old Henry David Thoreau, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And so, you know, this is so much about, I guess, listeners, I, I know a lot of you feel that way right now. Talk about that realization and how it shaped your philosophy in building your career.
1: Yeah, I was on the fixed income trading floor. And it was a dynamic, exciting, frenetic environment. And a couple of years in, I kind of figured things out a little bit. and I began to look around and there was a small percentage of people who were in their element. They were in the zone. That was, they were energized, but what is they were doing? They voraciously read barons on the weekends. They had some, some of them have Bloomberg terminals at home when there were sort of Bloomberg terminals. And however, most of the people there, I sort of I witnessed as walking around a little bit like zombies, as I talk about in the book and really hoping for, and looking forward to check day. You, you probably remember check day? Check day is a big day. Yes. And, very, big very day, well. and probably pretty excited on check day. And actually some years that they actually weren't excited, which, is 364 days of building up to something that they weren't excited for, or weren't excited by the result. And I, I said to myself in some form or fashion, I said, "This is not enough. Like this is not good enough for you." And I want to be those people who are reading, learning, engaging, studying on the weekends. And so I, I made a big decision, which which could have been could have made the the initial moment an answer to your question of deciding to go to graduate school, take out loans, you know, pay for that versus staying there and having a really wonderful career on paper and success as many people define it. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for me.
0: Why do you think, I mean, you see, you've been through this and like, I went through that too. And a lot of people who are listening to FOMO Sapiens have been through that because like, this is a place where people don't just follow the path, right? We don't just like succumb to our FOMO to the bright, shining objects, but So many people do walk around like zombies and by the way, in very prestigious jobs, but like go stand out front of JP Morgan and see how much people are fired up. Like, what is the driving, you know, the the, the root cause of that kind of thing?
1: So I I have something that your listeners can do that could potentially identify kind of signals that could, you know, kind of Mm. identify where that energy is. And it is just that it's, it's called the sources and drains of energy exercise And while I formalized it now and I've branded it now, and it's it's essentially taking out a sheet of paper and drawing a line down the middle. On the left hand side of the page, it's your sources of energy, and on the right hand side of the page, it's your trains of energy. I did it in an informal way when I was walking the floor and the fixed income training floor and other times in my life when it so I do it, did an inventory of when did I feel in the flow, alive, when time stood still, energized, excited, engaged, and I would. Write, a, write it down. Think about it. What was, was the meeting with the group of people that I work with for a new business pitch? You know, how did I feel about that? And if it was on the left-hand side of the page, it would go on the left-hand side of the page. If it was on the right-hand side, it would go on the right-hand side of the page. Is it working and coming up with ideas in isolation, or is it working and coming up with ideas and brainstorming with other people? Is it what is the compensation incentive system that really uh, attracts me and draws me in? And we're all going to have different answers to those questions, but try to be specific around the things that you're doing today and the things that you've done in your career and outside the office and try to be specific. Did it give you energy or did it take energy away? So we want to land in a position and have a portfolio of activity in our day that is about 20 or 30% focused on the things that really light you up, that really energize you. And this is research that Marcus Buckingham had done in his most recent book, called love plus work or love and work and he talks about these things that light you up these are your red threads we don't need a hundred percent of our day to be the red threads or the things that really are aligned with what kind of you know brings us out and brings us alive that we're passionate about but about 20 or 30 percent and that's what i informally did many years ago uh at at, at morgan stanley prior to going to graduate school FOMO.
0: Tudo bem meus queridos Homo sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese, and as you know I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in 5 Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel Okay. So Matt, what I love is that you just talked about Marcus Buckingham. He came on and talked about that exact concept last season. So everybody go check out that episode. But what it also made me think about is my own journey, because I remember we went to both went to Harvard business school and I remember being there and I was convinced that I had to be a hedge fund manager because, because that that was the thing to do. And there was the the head of career services, Dr. Timothy Butler, had us do this. You remember him? He had me do this, all of us do a visualization exercise. And I know you use visualization in your work. And I tried to, and he was like, visualize a perfect day in your life. And there was nothing in that day that had me at a hedge fund. There was nothing. And I remember there's this moment where I was like, I have to get real with myself about what lights me up and what doesn't. And there is nothing. I mean, it's a great career, that I will never be happy in. And so that was always, I go back to that so many times because what you've just talked about or figuring out what gives you energy and what drains energy from you is so, it's such a basic exercise that nobody does.
1: So you're you're right. And some of the questions that people may ask themselves can be are big. They're live wires sort of on the ground and it could become paralytic in nature is what's my purpose? What's my mission? What's my... And instead, we can all follow the energy. Mm. We can all follow. We we know how we felt in a particular moment. We know how we feel in a particular moment. Sometimes we can't always put words to it, but we can definitely follow the energy. Quick note on Dr. Tim Butler. uh, He is a treasure um, Mm. at the institution. And I have the good fortune of being on uh, Harvard Business School's Career and Professional Development Group. And I work very closely with him and all the colleagues in the career in the career center and we have conversations like this. Uh, the other thing as you may remember there's a first year class that's required it's called leadership and organizational behavior. Yeah. And there's there's a case all the way at the end of that that semester where there's this the protagonist the lead person in the case has an opportunity has a, a big decision it sits at an inflection point can go to company A and go to, or go to company B. And I remember this very vividly, where Company A was a little bit more of the prestige, a little bit more money, and the sentiment in the class was that this, this person should go to Company A. And it sort of triggered me. And I wasn't really sure why, but it really triggered me. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, Dr. Kang, the I'm not sure. I think that's the wrong decision for him based upon what I've read in the case. And And... I said, it really depends on what your definition of success is. And he said, mm-hmm. well, Matt, what's your definition of success? And I put together towards the end of the class, and I said, I think success is having the, the desire and the ability to really listen to oneself, and then the courage to act upon it. And as you know, in graduate school, there's a lot of sheep, there are very few shepherds. You know, mm-hmm. And that courage to really listen to oneself is hard, is hard, but we, we can all do it.
0: I love that. And everybody, Dr. Butler has written a book called Getting Unstuck that I I read years ago. So if you like what you heard about him, go check that out. Now, let's talk about your approach before we get into the specifics, because we're going to get some nuggets of the way that you work with people and the methodology that you have developed. But I just want you to describe, like, how would you describe in your own words what you do today?
1: I am a partner to people who want to get the most out of every day. And it is very much, I think that partner, the co-creation, the symbiotic relationship is very much how I would characterize it. Mm-hmm. Almost think about this. If, if you are my client and I don't really call you a client, you're my partner, right? You are in the driver's seat. Your hands are on the wheel, your feet foot, hopefully, you know, on the gas and brake. There's a clutch, hopefully involved. That's kind of cool. And you would use your (laughs) your left foot for that. I'm in the passenger seat. We're going on a road trip. And it's not a road trip that I'm going to pop in, you know, every 50 miles or 100 miles. We're on this road trip. We're going to drive from point A to point B, 400 miles, 500 miles, 600 miles. We're going on a road trip. And we have each other for a period of time. So we don't do anything by the hour. We do it by a period of like three months, six months, a year, whatever that that case may be in that instance. You are determining the coordinates that you're going to plug into the GPS through conversation with me and through this process that I've created called the game plan system or GPS. And that double entendre entendre is certainly intentional because we're going to plug that in on our road trip, plug it into the maps, and it's going to take us to where you want to go. And in life there's a recognition that there's going to be traffic if we stick with the metaphor, accidents along the way, construction, and what does the GPS do? We keep our eye on the destination and it routes us most efficiently, you know, towards that that end that that desired end that we want. In order to identify the coordinates We do have a process of there's qualitative information that we gather, there's some quantitative information through assessments that we gather. We really wanna establish where we are, where that parked car is or in the driveway before we leave. And we do it, we frame it very much through your eyes, your values, what you want, what means something to you and getting back to what we were talking about before, what energizes you and what, what lights you up. It's not what I think you should do. It's we have a big discussion around Patrick what you could do right now that would mean most to you, not what you should do. That you should be a hedge fund manager, we do away with that stuff. That comes out through the, when I'm sitting in the passenger seat and we're sitting in the driveway before we start driving, we will sort of try to chip away at the the marble to get at what it is that you really want to identify, visualize, and drive towards. Yeah, this is not
0: an autonomous vehicle. This is a vehicle that you gotta drive. I like that a lot. And talk well, about there. talk about one thing that when I read the book, vibed with me, and I think a lot of people who are listening because we love positive psychology on this show, and we talk about it a lot. It is your your methodology is informed by positive psychology. So, and when I read your book, one thing that I I had never really connected with in my own thinking. So I was like, oh, you know, light went on with sort of sort of how positive psychology. Like you just said, it's not about what you should do. It's about taking what you are meant to do, what you're great at, what you're strong at, and then focusing on that to be better. So, you know, in the talk about that, how how you came to that realization. Like, where did that come from in your own work?
1: Through all of the series of trainings, you know, that decision seven years ago to go back to that, uh, go back to school. I also went, you know, that was uh, the Columbia University coaching program. I studied at Duke's Medical School to become a board-certified health and wellness coach. I took positive psychology classes, and that informed uh, the approach. I I was a, a former athlete, and I've been studying uh, the corporate athlete, Dr. James Lair, and all of his works probably since the mid '90s. I have athletes on my coaching roster, former, uh, current, and former, and this is something that just resonates very loudly with me and them. And I think it's Dr. Martin Seligman is one of the the founders of and fathers of uh, the movement of positive psychology. And he said it really well. He said psychology itself has done an amazing job over the last 100 years or so of moving people. He used the number line analogy of moving people from sort of negative to neutral. And now I'm going to spend the balance of my career. He had been affiliated with the American Psychiatric Association for a while, and now I'm going to focus the rest of my career on this body of positive psychology because I want from surviving, living to thriving and moving people on this fictional number line here from a, let's say a six out of 10 to a seven or eight out of 10. And that's the focus of the work. So some of the key pillars of the things that we talk about are there There are eight of them. You, you mentioned one of them, which is tapping into and utilizing your strengths. Let's identify what you are really good at. And for the audience, there's a free assessment that Dr. Seligman and others were a part of creating called VIACharacter.org. V-I-A, character.org. It's a free assessment that ranks your strengths from one to 24. And the top five strengths are called your signature strengths. And the more we use your signature strengths, the more fulfilled, energized, happy you'll be, and likely the better outcomes that will result. So that's one of the key pillars and we talk about things as phrasing things in the affirmative, celebrating success, surrounding yourself with experts, sharing your goals in writing with others, focus and prioritization not on 30 or 40 things but on 3 or 4 things and then the maniacal focus on the laser focus on winning every single day.
0: What I what I think I, you know it's so important to note here is like 5 years ago if I had heard about this stuff, I would have been like, oh, who broke into the Hallmark factory, right? But what I've learned and what I think is so important and everybody needs to know is this isn't like, woo, woo, hopes and dreams. This is, this is evidence-based methodologies that people have studied. And, you know, it's it's just, it, it. the reason why it's so powerful is because the work has been done. And so you can believe in it.
1: And that is one of the main reasons why I set out and wrote a a peer-reviewed paper going back to 1950, a thesis on goal setting with best practices and goal setting theory. And I felt like the traditional approach of SMART goals, your audience probably is familiar with S-M-A-R-T, the acronym, that Mm -hmm. I felt it wasn't as smart as it could be. And a couple of the ads that I made in the revised acronym is achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, we're <laughs> working on my spelling. And the the, ad, the key ads, Patrick, were the C is for consequential. If we set a goal, we really need to know why, the so what of the goal. Why is that important to you? What's the meaning and the consequence behind that goal? If you told me that you want to run the New York City Marathon next year and come you know, five in the morning, your alarm goes off, it's really cold outside, it's still pitch black, and you don't, you're not clear on your why, there's a really great chance that you're going to roll over, hit the snooze button and go to sleep and not get your training in for that day. So the, the C and the consequential, we've added to the goal setting model. And that really gets back to that, what it means to you, not to somebody else, what it means to you. The other component is the visualization component. So every goal that we set, we do want to, if the person's Artistically inclined, he or she can draw. You know what that goal looks like to him or her. Or most most often, we find an image, on we find an image that captures and crystallizes what that goal means to that particular person. Sticking with the running of the marathon, could be crossing the finish line and embracing a family, and that's sort of a still there. So the consequential and and the visualized component uh, is really important. The other is these are goals that we want to set that you have some semblance of control over. Um, Yes, as Marshall Goldsmith said on your podcast, which was a really amazing listen, by the way, just a shout out to the audience and a shout out to him. We often don't have, as he said, all that much control over some of the the major outcomes that we have, where we do have control over is the activity, the input. As I like to think about it, the left-hand side of the mathematical equations, let's focus on those variables. So we do try to put things on this game plan that houses these goals that we set for ourselves, things that we can action against. And that's the A in the achieve model. FOMO. FOMO. So uh, let's take the
0: marathon. So I ran the marathon, I guess, seven or eight years ago. I can't remember now. And the reason why I did it, we talk about consequential. I had I like to run. I mean, so that's great. But the reason I did it was really because I said I want to inject more routine into my life and have a goal that I work towards that makes me get up early in the morning. And so when I would be in Sao Paulo or London or New York or wherever, and it was 545 and the alarm went off, I kind of knew what was the why of why I was doing it, and that got me out of bed, right? Now, so that's the C part, but you talk about your GPS, which is your game plan system, and that is really, you know, folks, you didn't see, but – Matt held up a laminated uh, page that has four big goals. Not crazy, not unachievable, not like I want to be in the NBA next year, which is going to be hard for me at 5'8", but things that, you know, running a marathon, which is right within my reach, but still requires, you know, a process, a plan to achieve that goal. Talk about the GPS system. Like what is – because it really is sort of the central – um, you know, IP that you've created in a lot of ways. What is that system and how does it work?
1: So the system, as, as you pointed out, the, the game plan sits at the epicenter of the system. And the game plan, as you described really well, is this. And we do laminate it. It's an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And it generally houses three to five. And the, the one that I share with you on the screen houses four goals. And think of them as vertical uh, across the page as it runs from left to right. And it's the what of the goal. It's the consequence or meaning of the goal. It's of course, by when the end point, the action items that were the big action items that we're going to use to work that works in service of that goal. And we do use an image that sort of crystallizes what it means to that particular person. And this is something that we have several copies that I give to the clients and I really encourage A big part of the system is the sharing, and that goes back to the positive psychology. So if you think about a goal, you have a certain percent chance of it happening. If you think about it and write it down, you have a better incremental percent chance of it happening. If you think about it, write it down, verbally tell somebody, you have an incrementally better chance of it happening. If you think about it, write it down, tell somebody, and share your goals physically with key stakeholders in your life, that's the platinum standard. That's the platinum standard. So that's what we aim to do with this document. It also becomes, you know, a lot of people are familiar with football coaches maybe on Saturday in college and football coaches on Sunday in the pros. And those are the plays to win that particular game that the coach is holding in his hand and and calling after studying and learning and how we work as a team. And this is what we're going to do, designed to win, quote, win this particular game. But importantly, I want to pass along, we don't just jump into creating the game plan. The system part of it is. We want to, there are assessments, there are qualitative assessments, there are quantitative assessments. There's the going back and forth um, with these incisive questions and the coaching that takes place. And I would go back to something that you said. So you said running the marathon was part of your why and the consequence behind it was to inject routine. Well, if we were working together I, and I, I would have followed up and said, well, what about injecting routine in your day-to-day is important to you? Mm-hmm. And you would you would have an answer for me. It might be something like, well, I like can maybe accomplish more. And okay, what does accomplishing more activity in a day mean to you? Well, be able to have a greater impact on people. What is the impact that you may have? So we go through the five whys. Not all the time, because it become a little bit like sometimes their first why is exactly why they want to do it, but we really want to get down to what is it about completing the 26, you know, completing that event is important to you. So your most likely going to achieve it. Who cares about goal setting? This is about goal achieving.
0: Yeah, goal setting is one of these things that like we all fail at all the time, right? It's the amount of times when I wake up in the morning and I'm sort of like, okay, well that didn't happen. Let me start over. It It is part of kind of human nature. You have this concept that I think is really powerful that I just want people to know about because it's one of those things that like all of us could start doing right now, which is the win the day. Talk about how, talk about what that is, why, why you have that in your sort of bag of tools. And then like how, you know, everybody listening can actually start using that concept today.
1: And I'm, I'm, as you see, I'm smiling on on the video because I'm, I'm old school and I'm holding up my, my win the day today. So, okay. I I like to gamify things, make them fun again in the spirit of like, Hey, we're, we're, we're on a road trip we're accomplishing really cool things that mean a lot to you. How can we give you the greatest chance of you realizing it? The other is, it may be a far-off goal. It may be a really long road trip, like a New York to California type of a thing. And there's milestones along the way. And we're going to celebrate those milestones. That's part of the model too. Mm -hmm. But we want to focus on today and now. And I, I thought about something it's actually, one of my clients and I we were talking about it. He's a big sports fan, big baseball fan, and he was referencing the Chicago Cubs. When they have a win, they fly the white banner for the W. And I said, Oh, that's kind of cool. How, how, what do we need to do each day for us to be able to fly that white banner? And we know that the, the part that we can control is today and what we do and the actions that we take, just to, to some extent. There's sometimes that things happen that we, we have to divert from our plan, and, and, and that happens. But it's three to I might give you four. Definitely not six, not seven, not eight, not thirty. No. Accomplishing three or four things out of a list of thirty can be really dispiriting. So we wanna move, we wanna move away from that. We want this to be empowering. What are the three or four things you can do today that work in service of your goals that are either starting, continuing, or completing, recognizing that we don't always complete things in a day? And I'm a bit old school where I, on an index card, I kind of write down this one I'm looking at right now from the other day is three. And it's, I'm going to go through it. These are my rocks. These are my pillars today. And it's all aligned with the four goals that I've set for myself for this particular component of the year. I personally set about, I do two game plans a year where it has four goals each. So that keeps me aligned and I'm going to do what I can to win the day. Mm.
0: That's very powerful. And, and I like, what I like about it is the focus around it, but I do have a question, which is this, you remember the balance scorecard? Yeah, I do vaguely. Yes. So the balance scorecard was developed by Robert Kaplan and it's this notion of um, it's this notion that you, when you put together the KPIs for a business, You don't just do like the things on the income statement. There are some things that are a little bit more, they're measurable, but they're quote unquote softer, right? And so I imagine that sometimes you sit down with a client and you're like, let's go through the four goals and all the four goals are work related or, you know, they don't, they're completely dis they're focused on the areas where the person feels the most comfort. Like, oh, I know how to work but I don't know how to take care of myself or deal with relationships. So as you work with people, because balance, like who has balance, right? This is like the great struggle of humanity.
1: How do we find balance in our lives? How do you work with somebody like that? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily let it happen. We, one of the parts of this game plan, the system component of the game plan is let's establish where we are across all the different facets or pieces of your life, not just work or career. So I'm looking at on my screen and it's talked about a lot in the book, and I'm happy to provide a download for your audience, something called the purpose puzzle. And the purpose puzzle, imagine a a square with nine pieces. So, and they have different facets that contribute to how you're feeling each day. Career is one of them, yes, Patrick. Friends and physical environment, finances, health, community, family, spirituality. And if some of those don't speak to somebody, we can plug others in. And we take inventory of where we are at our time of starting. So where we are today on a scale from one to five. So we take inventory across all these different pieces of our lives and we we color code it and we print it out and we we give it to the person. And I say, okay, if there are four areas here that you want to affect that you either, if something is a five out of five and you want to continue to feed and water and maintain it, you know, what might be an outcome or a goal around that if there's something a one or a two that we really want to spend time on, for example, haven't connected with friends in a while and feeling um, that I could really make strides there. What would be a goal around that? So it's not just business. It's not just career. It's not just work. I would say on this game plan that I held up before, in over 90 percent of the instances, it's at least one of the four goals is more outside of the workplace. And in some cases, it's two of the four goals.
0: All right. Final question. I want to get back. We're going to get back in the drone and go to 10,000 feet (laughs) as it were. So one of the things that you talk about in the book, which you you came to the right place because we love Viktor Frankl at FOMO sapiens Uh. and you talk about Viktor Frankl. And to me, I mean, you just, it's, it's never wrong to talk about Viktor Frankl, but talk about how you see his work, how it's influenced you and just like how it kind of shapes your
1: viewpoint on, on the world. a must read for everybody if they haven't is Victor Frankl's man search for meaning. And I would, I'd read it multiple times. I'd also listen to it. It's sort of that I, I I've done that and I sort of took it in in a slightly different way, but there, this could be a multi-hour discussion, but I'm going to focus on two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, was, I was hoping that you would ask me uh, about Victor Frankl. So one is that the importance of understanding the why, understanding the consequence and the reason and the so what, and spending the time really thinking about why we're doing something. And he he paraphrases Nietzsche where he says in the book, he who has a why can get through almost any how. Now he took it to the ultimate extreme. He recognized, he was in, for those who are not familiar, he was in the concentration camp at Auschwitz for several years. And he internalized that he had a choice of how he felt and he kept his eye on his prize which was i'm going to be reunited with my wife is going to be reunited with my wife and i'm going to reproduce the manuscript uh, that i no longer have with me so i use that that's made its way into the goal setting model and the consequence in the meeting so that's one patrick the other is when i'm talking to people about career, career strategy, career optimization, career transition, and also just big decisions um, that they're looking to make or actions that they're wanting to take. In the workplace as well, where running a team, running a division, running a company, reframe things. So it's not, what what am I supposed to do here? Uh, What are the actions that I should take here? We reframe it. If the team could talk, if the, or, if the organization could talk, what would it be asking of you? If life could talk around you and talk about you know, your career and what you're supposed to do, what would life be asking of you? And most often the answers that come up are the things that will best serve the moment. And they'll most, they'll, they'll have the most meaning. They'll generate the most energy. They'll come from the most authentic place within the individual. He had an amazing ability at sort of flipping things, recognizing that some of these questions can be really big in nature and let's flip them and say, what is that situation? What is life? What is the team? What is the person? What is the family asking of you? All right. The book is inflection points, how to
0: work and live with purpose. If you want to find out more about Matt, look up Matt Spielman on LinkedIn. You can also go to this website, www.theinflectionpointsbook.com where you can download all the stuff we talked about and many other tools to figure out how to navigate your inflection points. All right, that is our show. Go check it out. And thanks a lot to Matt Spielman. FOMO. advertise on Fomo Sapiens, reach out to contact at pomosapiens.com.